Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, as a church, we have been working through our founding documents over the last several months. Your pastors have been plowing through them, putting together some proposed updates for our church. Now, this sort of causes us to ask the question, what's the deal with these documents anyway? Why have things like a covenant, a constitution, and a statement of faith? Why do churches have these sorts of things? They're not explicitly outlined in the Bible. There's churches all over the world who do fine without them. Why do we have a covenant, a constitution, and a confession? That's the question that Josh Stiles and I seek to answer today. Give it a listen. Hopefully it will help you understand our reasoning for wanting to take our time to go through these very important founding documents. Joshua, Professor Joshua Stiles, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Trevor? I'm good. I'm good, man. Hey, tell us, um, in what capacity do you serve our church, and what do you do for a living when yeah. you're not serving at CCGS? Yeah, so uh, I serve as a lay pastor here at Greer Station. I'm also a community group leader. Uh, as far as my vocation, I teach at North Greenville University. I teach criminal justice and Christian studies. I've been doing that for about five years. Excellent. What's the, what's the most um, bizarre thing that you've come across? in terms of teaching, grading, has anyone ever turned in something that was absolutely absurd? <laughs> there have been a there've been a few things. Um, I mean, I've had students turn in papers that were not only incomplete, but stapled and put together upside down, pages missing, that sort of thing. Uh, one time when I was a student grader, so this is before becoming an actual professor, uh, I had a student who uh, included uh, two or three actual pages of content and then took one paragraph on page three and copied and pasted that same paragraph for about 10 or 12 pages. I guess he was assuming that I as the grader or the professor wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't read the paper, but that didn't, that didn't go over too well. Yeah. How did, what, what was the, he made his result. He made a zero and failed the class. Really? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Let that be a lesson. So. Oh, listener. If, you, if you're <laughs> an right. undergraduate student, do not do that. Uh, right. or a student in general. Uh, cool. Yeah. So the, the, I invited Josh on today to talk about our founding documents. Um, so as a church, we've been over uh, going over and discussing our covenant constitution, our statement of faith. Your pastors have been working to get this sure. to, for some proposed updates for our church to <coughs> to evaluate and, and eventually vote, vote on. But I, I would guess that there's there's some of you, maybe even listening to this podcast, that the question for you has been, why have a church covenant, statement of faith, and constitution anyway? Like these these things aren't explicitly in the Bible. That's right. Uh, doesn't seem like we have any indication that the early Christians were using them. Correct. You know, there's no account in Acts two of them getting their constitution together. Seems like churches in other parts of the world are doing fine without them. So why do we need them? Great. Why all this extra work? Yeah. So I think I think for all of these documents that we're working on, the the really the primary reason is clarity. Uh, clarity around what we believe. Cl- clarity around who we are as a church, um, both the church at Greer Station, both the denomination or uh, that we're affiliated with. Um, and just like any organization uh, or family needs clarity, uh, we need clarity around uh, what we do for the sake of um, articulating well uh, what we believe mm. as far as the statement of faith, as far as articulating the commitments that we have uh, to one another in the church covenant. And then uh, and we can talk about this a bit more shortly. As far as the clarity we really need is who we are as an organization, especially in the legal climate we are here in the United States. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Any, I'd say kind of add, to add to that is any... Um, I guess you could say any kind of institution or organization or 
collection of humans, even families, need clarity. Absolutely. You need you need a clear delineation of who's in and who's out. Correct. You need clear expectations laid out for those that are Correct. in. Um, and you also need clarity about um, what this thing is headed towards, what this thing what this right. thing is for. Right. Um, so clarity would kind of be, I think, the overarching answer first and foremost. Right? I, th- I think so. And I think we see examples of that all throughout the scriptures where the disciples, even though, again, as you said, we're not mandating a church covenant. They didn't say, you must, thou shalt must have a statement of faith. But you see the apostles, you know, whether it's Paul or Peter, very clearly communicating to the churches to whom they're writing uh, the expectations of what it means to be a believer, the expectations of what they, frankly, what they can expect uh, the results are for following Christ. Um, so, so I think there's good precedent for this, for us making sure yeah. that we're on solid ground. And I do think, too, of, um, if you think about Acts chapter 6 mm-hmm. and the institution of the deacons, Correct. the precipitating event, you could say, for that is the, the lack of, um, I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing, but there's some uh, Greek women, some Greek mm-hmm. widows who are being neglected in Correct. the distribution. Correct. Um, and so that they had to in- bring this office into existence mm-hmm. so that he care for these women. And right. so what that says, or at least it suggests, was they had some way, some list, some way of categorizing those who were supposed to be getting the distribution, Correct. who belonged to the body, Correct. who were not getting it. Correct. So, you know, maybe we have these kind of, I don't know, idyllic, sure. um, maybe a little bit naive views of the early church and it being totally organic and, right. you know, being like a like a family and right. friends, but there, there was organization and Absolutely. structure. Absolutely. Even if it's not like explicitly stated. Sure. So as for the statement of faith, what would you say is the what, what's why do we have a statement of faith as a church? Yeah, so so couple couple primary reasons I see. You know, first for for those of us who are members of the church at Greer Station, we want to clarify uh, what we might call healthy orthodoxy. Orthodoxy meaning right belief. We want to believe rightly about who God is, uh, what He um, demands of us as followers of Christ, what the gospel is. We want to be very clear about those things. And uh, we seek to articulate those in a statement of faith because it's, it's, a, it's a short-form way of sort of boiling down what basic Christian orthodoxy is. And you see examples of this throughout the early church, whether that's with various confessions of faith, various creeds, whether it's the Apostles' Creed. Um, there, there's good precedent for that, and that exists to clarify for believers what orthodoxy, in other words, what right belief is, when you have just... A plethora, just an inordinate amount of false teachings that were circulating even in the time of the early church and especially in what we have in our culture today. This is a way of marking out based on scripture what it is that we believe as a church. And then so in turn to outsiders, to those who might be considering whether or not they want to unite uh, with the body at TCGS or for those who just wonder what it is that we believe, well a clear statement of faith helps us articulate that uh, in a way that is consistent and to use the word we've been using, been using clear. Hmm. That's good. In our membership class, if you're listening and you remember, hopefully you remember this, we talk about the theological triage. Um, So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, speaking of the the death, resurrection, uh, and ascension of Christ, that he delivers what's of first importance. Correct. And so there's some things that are of first importance, and there's other things that are not not unimportant, but a different degree of important. That's exactly Um, right. And you could could kind of subdivide this into three levels. I think Albert Moeller kind of... Yep. popularize this you have that the stuff that's orthodoxy that's written correct. in blood correct the stuff that's really important kind of delineates church denomination from correct. denomination church from church which is written in pen we might say correct. and then things that are third tier issues that we might say are written in pencil that's these right. things that maybe delineate yeah. an individual from an individual very good um, and, and, go ahead and just to add to that so along those lines what we're seeking to do in our statement of faith is we want to mark off especially those primary things those things that 
if, if we do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus, we are not rightly with inside um, the church Catholic or the, the church as far as uh, what has been held to be the church of true believers throughout church history. Similarly, if we do not believe that salvation is by faith alone and by grace alone, we are outside the Christian faith. Hmm. If we do not believe that our God is a triune God as he has revealed himself in Scripture, we are outside, like you said, of basic Christian orthodoxy. Contrast that with you know probably the, the chief secondary issue that we do articulate in our statement of faith is our statement on baptism. We mm-hmm. are a Baptist church. And so we believe in believers' baptism by immersion, whereas other denominations might might disagree with that. So, so um, our, our purpose here is not to articulate every single tiny, minute detail yeah, good. that any person could believe based on Scripture. We want to mark off those things that that first and foremost are essential to believing if we are Christians, and then mm-hmm. second, candidly, if we are Baptist. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. That's really helpful. And yeah, and and there's a on every one of those points. There's been tomes, books, yes. papers written on every single one of those things. Right. So there's always more that could be said That's in right. every element of the statement of faith. Right. We're trying to we're trying to get clear, but not. Uh, we want it to be digestible, readable. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, what about the covenant? Why have a covenant? Yeah. So so the church covenant, while the while the statement of faith sets out what we believe and the foundation for that from scripture, the covenant is also and, and what we're proposing as far as the revisions to the covenant, seeking to have it articulated more in scriptural language and, and it still again is rooted in scripture, but this is where we express our commitments to one another and to to believers in fellowship and the local church. The expectations are encouraging and exhorting one another to live holy lives, and where we also bind ourselves one another to say that if one of us would would leave the faith if one of us would drift from Christ. We are calling on the hmm. church as the body as a whole and the elders of the church to call us back um, just as Christ has told us to do. So. That's good. Yeah, and you know, frankly, one of the, I guess, just realities of our day and age is that there's a lot of churches and, yes. and a lot of us have different sorts of experiences and expectations when it comes to church. Correct. And so a covenant is in a way kind of ripping off the band-aid yes. and saying, this is what we expect of you and Correct. this is what you can expect of us Correct. Uh, when someone is covenanting with our body. Again, and that's just going towards clarity like we talked about at the very beginning. That's, right. that's correct. Pressing in on clarity. Yep. Uh, and I think also the covenant actually, um, rather than detract from things like mission, you know, one, one, um, mm-hmm critique of these things is all of the energy that we put in the statement of faith and confessions, covenants, and things. One critique might be that it distracts ultimately from the mission of loving neighbors and preaching the gospel and Correct. that kind of thing. But I actually think the covenants are a way of honing our energy. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like it's, uh, it, it kind of it focuses our energy. It holds us accountable to those commitments to, to evangelize and to, to preach the gospel. Wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it actually serves as a tool in yes. cultivating a culture of evangelism. Correct. Um, what about the Constitution? Yeah, so um, as we've been talking, we're, we're sitting here at the church office, and I'm noticing uh, Trevor's uh, skull on the on the mantle here by the <laughs> fireplace. And uh, one of the things we've been talking about as elders is that in seeking to clearly articulate not only what we believe in the statement of faith, not only what our expectations are uh, for one another as members, uh, but when it comes to the Constitution, this is setting out a document that will hopefully enable the Church of Greer Station to live well beyond us as elders, well beyond probably the majority of us here who are members of the church. Um, we pray that God might use this local body of believers at Greer Station uh, to continue to reach the community here in Greer and the ends of the earth, um, if, if the Lord will, until Christ mm. returns, mm. whatever that might be. Mm. And so nailing down a Constitution that sets forth 
not only in the statement of faith and the covenant are going to be and are included or incorporated as appendices in the Constitution. The Constitution is the overarching gover governing document of which all of these things are a part. But it sets out, for example, you know, who it is that can serve as elders, how it is that elders are elected, who it is that serves as deacon, and how it is they can be elected, how it is that elders should Trevor or Zach or, or I or anyone else who becomes an elder one day, should we drift from the teachings of the statement of faith? Well, the Constitution is going to prescribe how it is that the body can remove that elder who mm. is no longer acting in accordance with the statement of faith or the church covenant. And so nailing down these things is a way, in, in my view, and I think the view of all the elders, it's a way of protecting the mm. body. The, mm. I mean, our goal and our task, the, the weighty task we've been given is to shepherd the church at Greer Station making sure that we have a constitution that is very clear and that articulates uh, our, how we are governed will enable us to hopefully shepherd this church for as long as the Lord wills that we are here. But again, it will protect the body, and, and that's really our desire in, in doing this. And one other point on that as far as protecting the body, we, we live in, in the United States, and so perhaps more than maybe most other places on earth, uh, we live in a, a, a very what we might call litigious society, a society that... Uh, there are many people who would like to be able to sue churches, and if for no other reason, for the fact that they are opposed to the gospel of Christ, they're opposed to Christian standards of morality. And so the more clearly we can articulate our positions, doctrinal positions in the statement of faith, what we expect of, of members of one another in the church covenant, and then in turn, how it is that we are governing the Constitution, that helps to protect us legally, will protect us and shield us from lawsuits, which is important not just to be protected from lawsuits, but so that we can continue to function as the body of Christ here at Greer Station so mm. that we can preserve the resources that God has given to us. Um, so clarity and, and then protection, I guess, would sum up why for the church, mm. for the church constitution. Mm. That's good. It, and it, a lot of ways, I mean, you know, folks, folks might be critical of the imp churches implementing a constitution into their body. And they might say that that's, something that was lifted from American culture. That's, you know, Americans love their freedom, they love their constitutions, and so it only makes sense that American churches would want to have a constitution that, as part of their church. Kind of critique it as a cultural thing. Sure. Um, but one of, the, one of the things I think that's brilliant about a constitution is it's, it's, a, it's a way to prevent the con consolidation of power from taking Correct. place. Absolutely. It prevents the consolidation of power with one particular pastor, Correct. one particular leader, Correct. a group of leaders. Correct. It, it actually is a way to ensure that the congregation Absolutely. can rule effectively. Yes. Now, the, the distinction we make is that our church is elder-led and congregationally ruled, which Correct. means that we sort of uh, or the tip of the spear, we kind of set the pace for things, but the congregation is the one who ultimately makes the big ship Correct. steering decisions. Correct. But a constitution is a way to kind of remove that decision making from a back room of people in the middle of the Correct. night you know, making Correct. decisions. That's right. It's, it's a way to kind of take that, make it objective and not rely on human emotions or human wisdom, but to, to have something that is, you know, distinct from us, outside of us, Correct. a standard to, to govern ourselves exactly by. Exactly right. And as far as the revisions that we're looking at for the Constitution, there are just some things that are that are there now that are just not as clear as they could be. Mm. And we want to want to make sure those things are clear so that the congregation can can govern as the congregation was intended to govern for, since the foundation of this church. So. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, so I, th I think um, I came across a, a blog a couple of uh, days ago that was really helpful and it said mm -hmm. some of the reasons that it's important for us to have a constitution one is to avoid theological fuzziness correct avoid theological fuzziness that, which is um 
can be death for a church. Yes, it can. And um, death for individual persons, too, if we're not clear on the gospel. Mm. Uh, to avoid any kind of moral ambiguity yes. around what it looks like to live a holy life, what Correct. it looks like to live as one who belongs to Christ. Correct. Um, and then to avoid, um, I can't remember the word he used, but it was like institutional squishiness, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, like not having enough. clear governing processes in yep. place. Um, and so I think, I think for those reasons and, and many more, I think it's vital for us to be attentive to our statement of faith, our covenant, and our constitution. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, so um, if you're listening to this, and this is something that you've struggled with, and you, and you have more questions about, questions about the necessity of these things, hopefully we've, we have answered all of those. But if you have questions, uh, please reach out to us. Yes. Please ask us any that you have. If you have questions regarding the, um, uh, the, the contents of the Statement of Faith, the Covenant, or the Constitution, let us know. I promise you, nobody has copied and pasted a paragraph from page <laughs> right. three and That's reproduced right. it throughout. Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, but like we said, we hope that it provides clarity and is a um, not not just a um, sort of boring fine print sort of institutional document, but they are they serve as life giving, mission inspiring um, tools to help us in our task of making Jesus known. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, our, our aim here is so is to make our uh, our covenant and constitution and statement of faith something that are that are actually worth. Uh, Worth reading and and, our, and spreading widely, honestly, um, to, to even to unbelievers, to those who would be interested in our church. We don't intend for these even now to be just the terms of agreement with iTunes that we just select. <laughs> yeah. we, we we want these to be uh, uh, our hope and our prayer is that we all, as elders and then the congregation, would take these very seriously. Would would be willing to to spend the time in reading these and and again ask questions if there are any questions, if there's any concerns, please relay the concerns. Uh, we're we're open to hearing those and, and we want to lead this body well. Right on. Cool. We appreciate you listening. Uh, again, if you have any questions, reach out to us. Uh, thanks again for listening to The Weekly. Josh, appreciate your time this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate All right, it. we'll talk to you next time.